You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back, because you don't have a cat, and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week, we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Brandy Stark. Hello, and welcome to Paranormal Pets. I am your host, Brandy Stark, and we are going to take a little foray into the East for the next few episodes. I've been looking at yokai, and these are some spirits from Japan, and by golly, if they don't have a nice, big, supernatural animal subsection. So I figure for a few episodes, we can travel to the East. So we will get started with that journey right after these messages. Time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. The young lady from the rescue delivered happy and I panicked. She was missing hair, stinky, scabby, and I thought, what did I get us into? The cause of his issue was poor nutrition. It was neglect. The other owners didn't care enough about him to give him the nutrition he needed. But I have a vet that I trust, and she recommended Dinovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I ordered the first 90-day supply, and within a couple weeks, his skin started clearing up. He didn't smell. He had more energy. He just had a glow and a bounce about him. We've been using Dinovite for the last year, and Happy the Rescue Dog is Happy the Healthy Dog. (laughs) I tell all my friends who have rescues to give their dog the chance at a new start with Dinovite. It's going to pay off for you and your dog for years to come. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. I'm still your host, Brandy Stark. At this time, I'm actually on uh, winter break, which is absolutely delightful. But it does mean everything's been turned upside down just a little bit. So the pugs are exhausted. I'm kind of tired. And yet it's too early to go to bed. And uh, so ultimately, we are all sitting on the couch, and they're all asleep, and I'm awake. 
<laughs> so bear with me. Any unusual snoring is actually the pugs and my one puggle. Penelope continues to reside here. She's doing pretty well. It is very bizarre to get used to an animal that has a snout and a very long sinewy neck. I will say that she is incredibly smart. Uh, puggles are part of the designer breeds that came out in the 1990s, and so they're a pug-beagle hybrid. And so that's been kind of interesting. Some of my rats are up and scrambling about. Penelope is uh, very, very intelligent. In fact, she is able to go where most pugs cannot go because she has a snout, and that does include into pockets. She can find treats. And uh, it's just, it's really bizarre. I, I don't know. I only speak half Puggle. I am used to communicating with Pugs. I speak very fluent Pug. I grew up with Pugs. My mother had Pugs. My grandmother had Pugs. So a Puggle's a little different. I don't know how I feel about snouted canoids, but uh, she's here. She's doing great. And actually, I'd be really curious someday when she gets settled in, maybe she'll end up becoming a paranormal Puggle. I don't know. I've only had her for a couple, well, about six weeks now. And so, you know, I need to get her settled in and let her get used to everything. Uh, right now, we're still working on potty breaking. <laughs> so it's been kind of interesting. She came to me at uh, about eight months. Kind of a sad story. She had been rescued by a family who saw her and they were afraid that she was going to be sent back to a breeder. So I'm assuming, and I'm not sure, but I'm assuming that she was possibly bought from a pet store. She has some behaviors that make me think she grew up in a kennel type thing, in a cage. They had her for about a month, but couldn't really keep her. And a friend of mine knew I did some work with Pug Rescue and contacted me, but I opted to talk to my mother, who also has some elder pugs that are, you know, kind of winding their way through. And, well, it got to be interesting. So we're in the car ride going over to pick up this puggle. And my mother says to me, well, this puggle will last longer than I will. And you'll end up inheriting her. So you might as well just keep her. What? <laughs> what happened here? My mother was initially supposed to get the puggle, but somehow... I did. And of course, she uses morbidity and mortality, but I'm like, well, you know, I totally get that. <laughs> so I know I'm this buggle. So uh, we've got Penelope, and uh, it's been kind of interesting. In addition to that, I have done a rescue on some mice that I have named Click, Clock, let's see, Click, Clack, and Clunk. There we go. Oddly enough, I was looking at PetSmart. I was thinking about getting a couple of mice. I had an empty hamster cage, and empty is just sad sometimes. And it prevents me from, you know, adopting anything, you know, too extensive. And while I was looking at these mice, the guy said, oh, well, did you know that we had these three mice left in a box on our counter? How do you leave mice in a box on a counter? But apparently it happens quite a bit at these stores. People abandon pets and they can't sell them. They have no lineage, etc. but they can give them away. So I ended up adopting the three of them. They're three brothers. They're little gray mice. I think they've like doubled their size since I've had them. And they're very fat, <laughs> but they're cute. They're really cute. Uh, I haven't had mice in a very long time. I, I forgot that they tend to be kind of aromatic creatures, but they're fun. I've enjoyed them. And then I did, I ended up adopting two female rats. Somebody had taken a full-time job and couldn't spend time with them. And so I now have Bee and Cricket. Bee is a little fancy, cute, cute little girl. And Cricket is a patchy a hairless patchy. Basically, these are hairless rats are not typically hairless. I mean, you do get tree mutations, but hairless rats are usually created by 
breeding double rexes, essentially. So you, you have a double rex rat and they lose their hair. They become hairless. Patchies are kind of a, a variant of this. And they came out probably four or five years ago, maybe longer. I, that was about the first time I heard about them. But what they tend to do is they'll grow in some hair and then they, they shed it and then they grow in a new hair pattern. That's why they're called patchies. And she's actually a Dumbo as well. So this has been, it's been interesting. At the same time, of course, my mother unfortunately lost two of her elder pugs uh, within one week. So she still has her, her pug pack, but it was um, surprising, you know? So anyway, we've gotten all that as background for this episode. I will tell you that we did have the SPPI, Spirits of St. Petersburg group. I, I did end up resurrecting the Spirits of St. Petersburg name. I have the trademark on it, and uh, I have the LLC, and I've had this for 20 years. So my friend said, well, why aren't you using it? And I said, well, okay. But we did have a case, which was kind of interesting. I'm not quite sure what we're going to do with this case just yet. But one of the phenomena on our paranormal investigation was that the family that we were investigating had a big black lab, sweet, sweet dog. But even though he had moved with him through two houses, at this particular house, he would not go into one of the sheds. So while we were actually doing the investigation, the dog was with us, which was interesting, but it's kind of a smaller area and it was a small group of us there. And the first time we went to the shed, I mean, he really, you know, very friendly, wanted attention, but we, uh, we went into the shed and he would not come in. At that point, there was EMF being registered. I mean, it actually felt different. People were picking up on a presence. When we came back out for the second part of the investigation, there was nothing in there. I mean, there was no EMF. There was no anomaly. And essentially, the dog came in. The odd thing about this particular case, though, is that the cat had no fear of the shed. The cat came in with this the first time, the second time, didn't really seem to care, was a, an indoor-outdoor cat. The dog, however, uh, was definitely much more hesitant to go in. Would go with this everywhere else, but that shed was certainly a problem for him. So that's kind of interesting. And I do apologize. This is Achilles who is sleeping behind me. I'll see if I can nudge him to roll over. He is doing his pug duty and snoring for me. So there we go. I think we've caught up on everything. I've got a couple more art awards. I did the 12 Days of Dali for my art and it was fantastic. But that's not why we're here. We are here to talk about yokai. So let me, uh, he is so comfortable. There you go, Bubba. Okay. There we go. I think we got him. The premise of these episodes that will be coming up, so this is kind of our intro, but the premise is essentially the inspiration came from one of the college classes that I teach. And in fact, this class I co-teach uh, it was a, an interdisciplinary course, uh, IDS 1106, uh, which was a combination of Intro to Humanities, which is my part, and then a uh, intro, or excuse me, a Comp 1 course. It had a global component. I mean, it has all these components to it. And it's an interesting course. My co-professor, interdisciplinary means that it's uh, dual taught, but my co-professor was really very, very cool because she came up with the idea of a, a lens to do these materials. And that lens was kind of the man, myth, and magic approach. Uh, we talk about archetypes, we talk about ghosts, we talk about the supernatural, we talk about the hero's journey. I mean, it's, it's a really fantastic class. At the end, there's a group project. And this group project includes studying different phenomena. The students actually go out, they study the culture, they talk about the origin of these creatures and what happens. So one of the 
groups ended up studying the yokai. Yokai are fairly interesting spiritual beings from Japan that are incredibly complex. They can represent everything from moments of time to space between time to states of being to unexplained phenomena to urban legends to godly like creatures or spirits. They're huge. It's a huge category. These students did a fantastic job. I mean, these were really, I would say, really honors material students. And at the end, one of them came up and said, Well, you should really get this book. And it's called The Book of Yokai Mysterious Creatures of Japanese Folklore. It's by Michael Dylan Foster, and、uh, it is illustrated by Shinome Kijin. Kiyan? I'm not quite sure.、Uh, my Japanese is, is very, very bad. It is published through the University of California. And、uh, the description is essentially monsters, ghosts, fantastic beings, and supernatural phenomena of all sorts haunt the folklore and popular culture of Japan. Broadly labeled yokai, these creatures come in infinite shapes and sizes, from Tengu mountain goblins to Kappa water spirits to shape shifting foxes and long tongue sealing lickers. That is what it says long tongued ceiling liquors. Currently popular in anime, manga, film, and computer games, many yokai originated in local legends, folk tales, and regional ghost stories. Drawing on years of research in Japan, Michael Dylan Foster unpacks the history and cultural context of yokai, tracing their roots, interpreting their meaning, and introducing people who have hunted them through the ages. In this delightful and accessible narrative, readers will explore the roles played by these mysterious beings within Japanese culture and will also learn of their abundance and variety through detailed entries, some with original illustrations on more than 50 individual creatures. The Book of Yokai provides a lively excursion into Japanese folklore and its ever expanding influence on global popular culture. It also invites readers to examine how people create, transmit, and collect folklore and how they make sense of the mysteries in the world around them. By exploring yokai as a concept, we can better understand broader processes of tradition, innovation, storytelling, and individual and communal creativity. So, of course, I ended up getting a copy of this on my Kindle. And happily enough, there is a nice big section on Eastern. Animal yokai, which is really, really fun. It's been、uh, quite exciting, quite dynamic, and quite enjoyable to read. So, when we get back from some commercial messages, we will start moving into the process of yokai, hopefully, explaining a little bit more about them. And then, hopefully, I'll have a series of episodes that talk about the fox yokai. There's a It's called a sickle weasel yokai. It、uh, creates mysterious cuts on your legs, which I thought was pretty cool. I would not want one, mind you, but it was still pretty cool. There are human faced animals that prophesize. There's one that's a human faced cow or bull that's born. It prophesizes a disaster and dies. <laughs> like, well, okay. There are cat yokai, fox yokai. I mean, it's just this huge list. So, I figured this will probably keep us going for 2017, if nothing else. So, we will get started with this right after these messages. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away.
designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. designerpetsweaters.com Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host, Brandy Stark. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. So we will conclude our introduction to yokai and then uh, plan for a series on the yokai. I'm hoping maybe I will do two types of yokai per episode because there are a lot of them. But again, what is a yokai? So if we go to the book of yokai, this is what the author has to say. He says, yokai basically answers to questions on how we interpret our world. In particular, how do we explain occurrences that don't easily fit in our everyday understandings of the way things work? When we ask who or what turned on the television, we are intimating that there's a living being or an animated force interacting with this even though we cannot see it. We may visualize this force as a monster or a spirit or a ghost or a shape-shifting animal. In Japan, such a force and the form it takes is often called a yokai. And yokai notoriously take many forms. They are commonly associated with folklore and with small villages or old cities or deserted mountain passes. They have also long populated literature and visual imagery. Today they are found throughout Japan with anime, manga, video games, movies, and role-playing games. Particularly in these latter formats, they have crossed oceans and continents to become part of popular culture in countries far from Japan. So what is a yokai? For now, let us just say that a yokai is a weird and mysterious creature, a monster or fantastic being, a spirit or a sprite. This book will show, however, that yokai are ultimately more complicated and more interesting than these simple characterizations suggest. Yokai may emerge from the question such as who turned on the television when nobody was around, but from there they take us on a kaleidoscopic journey throughout history and culture. This gentleman actually lived in Japan for a time and actually gathered a lot of the stories, some of the illustrations, and some of the historical context behind yokai. Now, this is kind of from, it's called Yokane, well, yokai no sekai.wikia.com. And it talks about yokai types. So I thought this might be another good introductory source for us. You can find this at y-o-k-a-i-n-o-s-e-k-a-i dot w-i-k-i-a dot com. 
And it says, uh, this is but a short list of the most common yokai. Wikipedia has a much longer list of legendary creatures from Japan, which may help you find more yokai types if you do not find inspiration in the list below. The information you will find here and on different pages given to the individual yokai types are meant to be a general basic guide. You may stray away from these definitions. After all, legends and myths are what they are, stories that have different origins and have been modified so many times that it's impossible to tell which version is the right one if there ever was one. We at Yokai no Sekai hope that you will create characters that will be unique representations of existing yokai. So I guess this is kind of like a creative writing site. It's interesting because you start off with the four sacred beasts originating from China. There are four unique creatures that are associated with the four seasons and the compass directions. In the East, it oftentimes seems that four is very much a sacred number. You find uh, four noble truths kind of perhaps is an inspiration for that. The dragon is the creature of the spring and East. It is fearsome and powerful and associated with water and rivers. A phoenix is a proud defender of justice and fidelity, and the shokai takes the shape of a giant bird. The white tiger, while the phoenix is summer and south, the white tiger is autumn and west. It is said to be the king of all beasts. The white tiger is a warrior and protector. And then you end up with the tortoise, which represents winter and north, a symbol of wisdom and knowledge. It is also supposed to be immortal. You do end up with monsters, usually animals. For their animals, or the bakamono, they say that animals tend to be shapeshifters who are able to transform into their original animal shape and into a humanoid or human shape. They usually gain power on their 100th anniversary. And actually, one thing I find really interesting about yokai is that an inanimate object can gain a spirit once it hits 100 years of age. There are certain trees as well that if they survive 100 years, they are imbued with a special tree spirit, which is why sometimes you will find shrines to trees in Japan. Their longevity makes them unique and gives them a spirit. So you are curious. In Japan, they actually have things like you might have an ancestral umbrella that hits 100 years of age and gets a spirit. And so sometimes if this uh, umbrella appears to be moved, it's because the yokai or the spirit within it has moved the umbrella. Sandals can get yokai. Antiques can get yokai. I mean, it's really cool. I'm like, you know what? My entire house is thereby haunted, which is kind of fun. They actually list some of these things. These are some of the more popular anime-typed yokai, but any animal that lives in Japan may be used. They have the bakeneko, or nekomata, which is a cat. These are said to grow as large as a house, and they are the nekomata are in an even more powerful form, who eventually... These are actually kind of interesting, and this will be an episode that we talk about, but the bakeneko cat... Uh, yokai is an elder cat whose tail splits in half. It's a two-tailed cat and it shows up in, in this really odd human form. It stands on two legs but it still looks like a cat and it wears a towel. So something for you to think about between episodes. Hebi or snakes are one of the most secretive form of yokai. There is not much known about them. Inugami or haunu dogs or winged dogs. They may be made by humans for nefarious or benevolent purposes. Both Inugami and Hai Inu are powerful creatures. Oh, here's my little sickle weasel. 
often depicted as traveling in trios, those yokai appear out of nowhere and attack unsuspecting victims with vicious wind-based attacks. So they're cyclones. And there's even this odd theory that says that these creatures actually represent some sort of pressure drop that might cause these cuts on your legs. Okay. Uh, Kitsune will probably be our next episode. Foxes that can shapeshift when they reach 100 years, they then grow a new tail every century up to nine. And of course, the more tails the fox has, the more powerful it is. If you are a fan of Naruto, he is the incarnation of the nine-tailed fox. Majuna, or the badger, it is said to be one of the best shapeshifters of all yokai, able to imitate humans perfectly. Okami or wolves, protective spirits said to be blessed by the gods, and they sometimes protect travelers from dangers in the mountains. Tanuki are the raccoon dogs. Now, these are kind of these weird panda raccoon creatures that you'll sometimes see in anime. They're hedonistic tricksters, which can shapeshift at ease and temporarily transform leaves into money. When we talk about these guys, they are said to be very gluttonous, fairly crude, and they are very fertile. So one area of the body that they can shapeshift is actually the nether region on the males. I'm not making this stuff up. So we'll talk about that. Theoretically, if you're old enough and if I'm old enough to discuss it. And then we get the spider shapeshifter who preys on humans through traps and trickery. So these are kind of cool. If you are also curious, there are creatures called the Oni, which are kind of ogre-like creatures with horns, one or more. And metal smiths actually are sometimes associated with Oni because of their ability to transform metal. And they're also associated with childbirth, which I find to be a little creepy, but interesting. So even though I did not really anticipate this episode being quite so introductory, it is an introductory episode for what I hope will be a series for several episodes of Paranormal Pets. And at this point, I am going to bid you adieu, get my materials together, and then hopefully start on our first of the series of Eastern Animal Yokai. Until then, please remember to support your animal rescues. If you are interested, there is now a Paranormal Pets page up on Facebook. Please drop me a line if you have any stories or questions. I'd love to hear them. And if you're welcome for me to share them, let me know. I do not have to use names. I can certainly be anonymous and that's no problem. You are more than welcome to check out uh, the Spirits of St. Petersburg or SPPI. And uh, we will see where it goes from there. So in the meantime, we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care and happy haunting. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>